This podcast will contain spoilers for all aired episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones and all published books in the A Song of Ice and Fire series. The North. Right, 700 miles that way, you're still in the North. 400 miles that way. 300 miles that way. The North is larger than the other six kingdoms combined. And I am the Warden of the North. The North is mine. And it's not going to be mine someday, Father? What? No, you're a psychotic, murderous bastard, of course not. Welcome to the Vassals of Kingsgrave Dragoncast Edition. Today we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 8 of Game of Thrones, titled The Mountain and the Viper. My name is Zach, also known as Alias in the podcast of Ice and Fire forums, and joining me for this review, we have Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Azure, great joy on the forums. And uh, Paul. Yes, I am Paul, and I go by as Pod's Plight on the forum. Greg. Uh, hi, Greg. Uh, Claudius the Fool on the forums. And John. Uh, hi, Barrel Roll 42 on the forums. And hopefully we'll have Shane, a.k.a. East Texas Die Wolf, joining us later, as he tends to do. So yeah, awesome episode this week, guys. Really exciting stuff. I'm happy to be discussing this with you after so long. It feels like that I've been on the Dragon cast. So obviously we'll start with our lemon cake ratings. Uh, how about start with you, Brooke? Please don't, because I need to hear other people say things so I remember what happened. Because I, like, I would give one half of it to one thing, and the other half, like, all the lemon cakes that ever happened. Sure. So, so how about you, Paul? I'm going with 4.22. Ooh. I'm not going to be bound by strict limitations of lemon cake. I'll divide them up as I see fit. And so I thought it was really good and liked a lot of it. And the ending was great, but there was some stuff in the middle that I was unsure about. So we'll get into that. And Greg? Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.75. I have really completely disassociated from the nitpicky and the stuff, the changes they make, and I kind of liked some of the changes they made in this episode, but the whole fight at the end was, I had a more visceral reaction to this than I did to the Red Wedding. So I'm, it's not perfect, but 4.75. Alright, and you, John? I think I'm going to have to go with um, 4.5. Um, I'm really liberal with my lemon cakes, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure this is the, the best episode of the season so far. It's either this or, or uh, episode two. I, I really did enjoy this. And do you have your, your thoughts? Yeah, that were... uh, the ending was so, so much of what I wanted it to be that it almost makes me forget there, there really is some weirds in the center. So all the lemon cakes in the world divided by three lemon cakes is still a shitload of lemon cakes. So we'll just say that. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I would give this episode a 4.5 as well. I really enjoyed myself. I tend to rate the episodes really individually on the basis if I was engaged and enjoying myself the whole time through. And that was definitely the case for this one, especially the end. Really solid stuff. There were some weird parts. Uh, in, in reality, actually, my review should be actually 3.5 lemon cakes because I'm taking off a half lemon cake each episode that Gendry isn't in. This mm. is the second episode that I have. Oh my gosh, are we on a Gendry hunger strike? Let's do yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. So Perfect. 3.5 this time around. It's going to be a long one. Yeah. I mean, it's still an awful lot of lemon cakes because I gave it all of them. But yeah, that's a great idea. No, you know, Gendry. We have to take have action. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I think your hunger strike needs to have a little more visibility for it to be effective, but I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely. Got to start somewhere, man. Social movements. They start with just one yeah, person. Small. Mm-hmm. Or you know, crazy people spread. die alone by refusing to eat. <laughs> <laughs> or both. <laughs> Whatever works. Uh, so to navigate this crazy episode, we'll be using Littlefinger's so-called compass, which he talked about this episode, and his, his teleportation device. Starting with the north, 
specifically in Molestown, where we finally see the wildlings again as they attack, which no one expected except everyone but Sam and Molestown, <laughs> I guess. So what did you guys think of this scene? I, I thought Molestown was Bree. Did anyone else get a Bree vibe from Molestown? I mean, there's no Butterbur or Prancing Pony, but it definitely reminded me of, of Bree for some reason. And that just goes with all the Lord of the Ring connections. But uh, other than that, I thought it was a pretty good introduction to the, the upcoming you know, Battle at the Wall. But it was good to see them doing their doing their doing their thing. It's a little grimier than. Uh, it was pretty dirty, yeah. Yeah, I didn't Hi. see so many uh, topless whores and things in Brie. That was PG thirteen. There's some badass whores in uh, Molestown, man. Don't yeah. fuck around. We got a new rendition of the Reigns of Castamere. They really are stretching that song <laughs> to every piece. Yeah, only two songs in the north, also. So I was like, I was surprised by the like. I think this is what I saw. The one like Molestown horror who's kind of being a bitch to Gilly dead already. Reminded me of Locke. Like these kind of characters that get set up, you think they're going to be a thing, and then they just die so very casually at the end of the spear. Yeah, I kind of liked her too, but I guess. Yeah, I was not... starting to get into. I was like, "What's up with this?" Ch-? Nope, never mind. Yeah, not a big deal in the grand scheme. <laughs> no, not really. I just think it's interesting. They're willing to even do that. It shows they're willing to play a little bit with storylines. They got to pad it out somehow. Yeah. Not everybody can be a Roz, you know, two and a half seasons before she got killed. These people stay for like two episodes. You have to aspire to something, but uh, it was impressive filmmaking how they did the whole like in thing in one shot like they walk in the door and up until gilly goes to the window to see the owl it there's no cuts it's all just one thing it's very well directed who directed this alex graves Graves, yeah Yeah, it was really good i really enjoyed the direction in this and other parts of this episode i i don't tend to really enjoy alex graves that much but i thought he was really good in this one for sure especially this scene um other points to make obviously we have these wildlings slaughtering people indiscriminately except for yagrit who uh spared gilly at the end yeah i i thought are they killing everybody or I just think they the, were killing everybody. The away. <laughs> they probably sent a messenger to let the Night's Watch know, like they did with the village and that kid. So they probably okay, sent another person. It, I didn't understand how they knew already. I mean, I know most towns just like right there, but info's traveling super fast this season. It's just like they knew. And so my next question is, are the wildlings still like kind of camped out at Molestown? Is that what's happening? Are they on the march? Because if so, they'd be right there. John at I least do. thinks that they're coming. But soon. are they coming now? Or are they still in Molestown? We'll get them next episode. Coming there for sure, probably. I'm just trying to see if the reuniting scene between John and Ugreet at Molestown is actually possible. No, they're going to come to the wall, I'm sure. I think they were talking about going to Molestown in the scene with, like, apparently the only five guys at the wall that can make decisions. <laughs> no, I think they were saying that they're, that they're coming to them and they're just getting ready to defend Castle Black. Yeah, I don't think they'll have another scene before they meet in battle. Yeah, the timeline on everything at the wall and, and in the north has been a little bit weird this season. Um, it's definitely been strange that we've kind of... It feels really fillery, actually. Like, we've just been having them kind of hang out. We get the one bit with, with um, Craster's Keep. That was really the only thing they did. But it feels like they didn't really know what to do until the battle, because they already had everyone at the wall, so... Yeah, Stannis took so long getting off of Dragonstone an entire <laughs> season where we thought they'd do that in an episode, that they have to reconcile those timelines. But we'll, it'll all come together next episode. I get the feeling that next week is going to be pretty badass so we're gonna kind of forget how meandering the the rest is but in the meantime we have of course at the wall sam worried about gilly uh, and dollar said offering some words of hope and comfort very in character from him. I was Great. so angry that he didn't say anything Dolores, but he kind of saved it by saying, you know, in case we all die, please burn us, burn, make sure to burn me yeah, so I don't burn. come back. So he saved it with something particularly Dolores, but he has been like yeah. vaguely positive thinking Ed for a lot of this. Well, all that stuff in season two uh, has been paying off of when they're screwing around 
you know, shooting arrows and stuff. It, you you really do like these guys now, and I was really happy to have Ed get all those lines in a row. Awesome. I'm really getting into Gren. He's got some yeah. stuff to say. He's got some, like, actual personality. And also, did anyone else say out loud to Sam, yes, you're right, you did put her in danger. What were you thinking that was dumb? You yeah, should have said, that's not my fault, it was David and Dan. <laughs> I had no control over it, they wrote me that way, what? There has to be a reason they put her there, other than just keeping her off the wall, I guess. I'm just guessing that Egret, you know, you, you get a little... Alright, so she's this, this wildling who cuts dudes' throats, but she also says sh- to uh, a woman with a child, so... Yeah, and we just needed one more Whatever. scene of wildling terror before we get to the the big fight at the end, I think. But to also show that she's her. not a thin. Yeah, she has some sympathetic traits, which will be important, hopefully, in the in the next yes. episode when we see that dramatic death scene. Can't wait. we all know women can only have maternal instinct sympathetic traits, but still. <laughs> yeah, it was they a little They had to do generic. something right. to make us not be like, well, fuck that bitch, I'm glad she's dead. I still can't imagine they don't have some words together. John Snow and Egret, because it matters. That would almost be too romantic, because they didn't get that in the books. That they it, don't. But it, well, they had their actual good romantic parting and a completely different dynamic. Right. I just think that would, not to, that they haven't added sappy scenes, but I just think that would be too much. It's going to be more of a ice, you know, shot to his heart where he just finds her with an arrow, you know, in her. And, and I hope they keep that. I hope they do too, but I also don't know that, like, without the internal monologue that's going on about how he feels about this, I. For TV purposes and for visual purposes, like, it's exactly the kind of scene I would expect, even if it's just a moment somewhere where it's like, ah, what could have been? I'm going to shoot at your people now. Try not to get hit. I'm looking forward to it. But I also don't want to see Rose Leslie get shot within her. Maybe they'll save her. (laughs) Well, they didn't (gasps) make any changes for anyone else this episode, so unlikely, probably. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. We should be recast as one of those those wildlings who comes in the hall. And Mary's like knights and shit. Maybe. Or maybe she'll be Val. It could happen. Anything could. They they yeah. can write literally anything they want. They can do what they want. I, I love the, the great Tormund shot. Uh, yeah. I'm so happy that we're going to keep him. I, I hope he gets more time. Yeah, I hope he lives. I hope we get to keep the score that they came up with for the Thins. Like whenever the Wildlings come in with the Thins and start like hacking people up, that music is awesome. It's my favorite addition since, like, they modified the Danny theme. Oh, it's so good, and I'm sad. Because I figure they're probably not going to do that much anymore. Definitely. A lot of good production choices here. So, mm-hmm. moving on to Moat Kalen. Uh, we have <gasps> re- entering to uh, try to get the Ironborn to stand down as Theon Greyjoy. Yeah, what did you guys think of how... how was that how you visioned Moat Kalen? Because that is not how I visioned it at all, really. I mean, I it was really sweet. cool, but I just pictured, like, towers that seemed to be... I mean, there were two towers on opposite side, but it was like... It just... It just wasn't how I pictured it, but there are representations. I've found some paintings that kind of looks like that, but uh, it just wasn't uh, exactly how, how I pictured it. It was like it's a bit grander than I was expecting, and for the record, I missed it on the map the first time and forced everyone to go back just in case we'd missed something. So glad I did. <laughs> and I love the sweeping shot, but I actually had to pa- like I paused it. I was watching with a bunch of people who'd never read the books to try to explain like what is the big deal why do they need this castle and so we paused on the wide shot to try to isolate like okay so this is how you come in and there's no other paths oh and i'm sure they loved that (laughs) (laughs) no they actually they're like okay wait one was disinterested and played with the dog but the rest were really kind of into it we pulled out the map book anyway after that they i think they go to the eerie pretty soon and there's all these like knights up on the wall with the the arrows just poised and ready but it was a bit grander 
too many turrets or something. Still liked it. Glad we went. I don't really have a specific vision beyond the three towers. I was just trying to figure out uh, with the actual shot in the show itself whether or not it would actually be defensible uh, from the other side, but we can't really tell from the angle we get. That's what we were trying to decide. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, well, how did the iron board pull the camera up on the other side? What's back there? Unnormal castle. I don't know. That's how they managed to capture it. You would think somebody would have thought to do that sooner if they really wanted to, but who wants the north? And we don't even get the on carrying a rainbow banner either. Disappointing stuff. That's one of my favorite Close. paintings from the. I think it was last year's calendar. The the I mm-hmm. think jump of, of uh, Theon carrying the rainbow banner, which was just a real haunting image. You know, with the white hair, and you know, that was one of my little complaints that they didn't give him white hair. But I think that's just because his he his transformation happened so fast in the show. No, was, I, I liked it. I liked seeing the inside. You know, as a book reader, like you might not realize that okay, that was a horse's head chopped off because they ate the, the horse, and you know, there's bodies and bees and uh, and bugs, you know, buzzing around. But you got the impression that they were on their last legs, but they were not going to go down without a fight. I always saw it as just basically this horrible Vietnam swampland, and I, I think we got a little bit of that. Definitely the interior. The exterior, it was a little, I don't know, it looked like a big open plane to me. Yeah, I always thought it as more overgrown and with a rundown, like, bog, like a bayou type thing, where there's, like, alligators and stuff, and there's trees for people to hide behind and stuff, because there's, like, the bog devils. That's why their commander was sick, because he got shot with an arrow, right. Yeah. Recall, right? Yeah, they haven't really mentioned the the uh, the reeds or the you know the the bog devils at all. But it's uh, it, it was I liked seeing it, and I the guy who played I think Kenneth or Kenning was his name. He mm-hmm. was he really I thought did a, did a, did a pretty good job of yeah. just taking Theon down a peg. Do they kill all these guys in the book? Yeah, oh, they, yeah. they do. Oh, they do. Okay, so yeah, I like that guy too, and obviously. They surrender after that guy gets axed by the guy behind him and get killed off because Ramsey's very merciful. Oh, yes. And, and then he takes a dig at Krakens, which is pretty funny. I like that. Mm-hmm. That they're useless on land. Yep. <laughs> what did you think of Theon, like, breaking down? And if it wasn't for that other guy, he would have just been done there. Yeah, that was a little different, I thought. Like, he was, you know, he was about two seconds from snapping and, uh, I don't know, collapsing. But uh, I thought he had a little more agency in the books. The transformation definitely seems a little bit more severe in the show, which is strange because we don't get as much time to develop it. But it's obviously they're not being too subtle with it. They really want to go whole hog. But I liked it. I thought it was good acting by Alfie Allen. I thought it was really good. Yeah, definitely. He did very well. Yep. So moving on to Winterfell, we, well, sort of Winterfell. Or the castle, the unnamed castle that everyone knows is Winterfell. It's obviously Winterfell. Winterfell. (laughs) Yeah, because they shoot it. It's really cool, actually. They shoot it in the exact same way that uh, they shot the original Winterfell shot in episode one, Mm -hmm. which was a nice thing. And they played the theme, I think, slightly changed and, like, more ominous. Yeah, boltonized version of the uh, the Stark music. Yeah. Because all those shots they had of on the hills and stuff were the stuff we had seen of the starts in season one. Like that initial one where that Roos and Ramsey are meeting there. It was like when the deserter was coming over the hills in the beginning. It was all very symmetrical, it seemed to me, about this stark origins have been taken over by the Boltons. So Ramsey presents Roos with a Kraken doormat. Roos shows Ramsey his kingdom. What, what was that banner? It definitely didn't look like it. Was the it, was a, it was a Greyjoy banner. Yeah. I know, but it looked like a rug. It had like fur on it and stuff. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a, a skinned uh, <laughs> iron ironborn at some point, but no, it was yeah. just a banner. He toned it back for daddy. I think we saw it flapping on one of their like flagpoles when Theon was walking in there. Mm-hmm. It was the one, I think. Any other thoughts on this scene? It definitely Keep made moving. the Bolton seem more likable and relatable than normally they would be. Still proving to me, showing me that I definitely enjoy show Ramsey a lot more. He's just, he's entertaining, whereas, you know, book or book Ramsey is just awful. I hate reading about him. But, uh, you know, I, I can pretty much watch the Ramsey show for a long time. 
Yeah, I don't. I, he's one of those characters like Tyrion in the show has now com- almost completely replaced Tyrion of the books. But Ramsay, there's still book Ramsay, and I like show Ramsay, but he's he's completely different. But I, I still I love the actor. He's, he does an amazing job, and the guy who plays Bruce Bolton is is just just as creepy oh, as yeah, Bruce. Bruce is he's totally great. Scary. But I just I liked it how I'm pretty sure that I don't think we're, we're going to get another Winterfell or North scene, you know, aside from the wall stuff this season, because that that felt like a bookend to that storyline. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope that's the case, because they're, they're going to have to sort of tying off these ends, you know, one at a time going into the last two episodes. But, yeah, it really is going to set up. And I'm really looking forward to all the the politics between, you know, the Boltons and the uh, and um, the, the Barrowtown and everything that's going to go down at Winterfell in, in the next season, which that's some of my favorite stuff from, from dance. Have we heard any casting rumors about Manderley or anyone like that? The only casting I've seen is some Dornish stuff and like the High Septon, that, that one call sheet that was leaked a couple weeks ago, but I haven't seen any, any Iron Islanders or any Northmen yet. Okay. And I heard and we heard about young Cersei as suggesting they're going to do a flashback to Maggie the Frog. Interesting. Shit. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, that was linked. Uh, someone was linking that on the forum about how they cast some some Son girl as young Cersei. Oh, I know they cast Maggie the Frog. I didn't know they were casting Cersei. Wait, how are they? They're they, young well, flashback. Wait, what? Yeah, they haven't done any flashbacks yet, which would be weird. Hmm. But plenty to do in season four and five or five and six. I oh, I can still convince myself that that's not true then. Yeah, I guess we'll see. That's interesting. Uh, making such a big change in the style of the show. There have been obviously a lot of opportunities yes. in the past where flashbacks might make sense, but I guess this one is. Is good. I mean, it's not a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know they filmed flashbacks that they just didn't include. They they filmed the whole Mad King and Rickard scene, which uh, but yeah. they just never included it. All right, so moving over to the east, we're gonna teleport right on over to Marine, where we see uh, Grey Worm giving some looks at Missandei as they bathe in the river. Oh yes, fully with their pants on, because that's how everybody bathes in rivers is with their pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have their pants on? I oh yeah, they all have their pants on. Not the women, of course. The women were naked, but <laughs> not that I want to see and uh, you know and uh, unsullied without their. Uh, root and stem or whatever however they lovingly put it pillar and clear stone. up pillar and stones. <laughs> clear up the misunderstanding for Missandei and uh, Daenerys no th- we need the mystery uh, I will never argue against uh, seeing Natalie Emanuel naked uh, very happy with age appropriate Missandei love it but <laughs> really have no idea where they're going with this I think it's pretty it, they have they're gonna kill one of them that's the only because yeah, it, it, it can't it, have the other ending to it that that's gonna be I think that her storyline might end with the sons of the harpy and them finding gray worms strung up somewhere I'm definitely I, leaning on that more and more now yeah I think so, they're just looking for filler material for next year. Right. They, they don't need, need like, seriously, they don't have, like, they're just trying to throw in a romance. Why the hell not? I honestly, it never occurred to me that they were setting up one to die just simply because they need material. They or could just use so much, they could do so much I other know. stuff with that. But these are the two people we know. And these are, like, it's all we have. It's Danny and New Dario, which has already He's got gone. its thing going. There's, you know, they recently dismissed Jorah. And so what do we have? Bears and Selmy wandering around getting handed things from five years ago or some shit. That's all we have. So, and they do have to do something with their. They can't just stand there and not say anything or do anything. They have to flesh out the characters a little bit. So I'm fine with it. I think it's sweet and nice. I could see one of them dying, but I think it would be maybe next season because they have to do some more stuff next season. Uh, what would you guys think though if they did kill them off? Because one of the criticisms that the show is coming under is obviously this this fear that they're just killing characters off for shock value. Obviously, that's not the case for people like O'Baron because that's that's a scene in the books and it's set up really well. It has 
nice implications. It's very powerful and fits the scene. But if they're adding more, do you think it starts to go overboard? If that were what I thought they were doing, maybe. Especially since the show has also come under a lot of criticism for not having a lot of visible characters of color. So to simply set up a storyline to kill one of them would be kind of just an optic nightmare, I guess. And so that's also why it just never occurred to me. Of course they're not. But also, I don't know. I actually like the idea. There is something inside of that storyline, this idea that like, because identity is such a strong theme uh, in the upcoming books, like who people are. And it was strong here, too. And this idea that because Grey Worm was made into an unsullied so young that he doesn't remember anything else. It's like the life. It's his reality that to Miss Cindy, that just seems so awful. And he's just like, what? It's the reality that I live with. And, you know, I'm really curious to see how they flesh out a relationship in a different way that can't just be like, oh, you let's fuck in the background and then somebody dies. I kind of hope they follow it through, even though I'm not really that interested in them sharing a whole lot of screen time. It's kind of, yeah, but it's fascinating all the same. So hope nobody dies. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I like the ship, but like you say, it's kind of ancillary to what's really going on. And hopefully we'll not get too lost in that kind of stuff. So in the meantime, we have Barristan getting that letter that you mentioned, um, oh, good God. which implicates Jorah in spying for various against Danny. So my first thought is, how did that's the what? same exact letter? What? I know. It's not even wrinkled. It's the it's same perfect. because Jorah says it's the, it's the same. He says it's not forged. So it has to be the same writing at least or the same look because he saw the old letter so how did how did uh, tywin get that because he because we see in this, the, the episode where he's writing or he gets the paper from mace tyrell that he's writing a letter so if he's writing it how did he know what it said and how it looked well i'm guessing that varies would have done both of the letters or something wouldn't if he or someone whoever the official scribe of the kingdom is unless because robert wouldn't write it himself yeah. so someone would have written it for him so they could have just done it that way and forged it i'm guessing tywin just made it up and it wasn't just lost in the mail for five years no oh, yeah i know it, i think it's a different letter it's just kind of weird how they had him writing it not varies i guess maybe he did it like after the meeting or something it's obviously not a big deal but i was kind of confused by that I, that was just not even a little bit how i thought this was gonna unfold like it just was so abrupt like oh fuck we're running out of season uh we need to get rid of your uh here just hand bears and sell me this like perfect scroll that'll that'll do it and so like i'm trying to think about this episode in terms of what is what would it be like if i didn't have this information would it feel so jarring because i don't know what they did in the previously before the episode i do know that danny does a solid job of going back in time and hitting the chronological points for us and that one person said oh my god i totally forgot about that and everybody seemed upset and sad for jorah but i just kept thinking really uh, this is it this is how we did it we just uh, so that is the weirdest way to go also i guess i can understand barristan's rationale in character but i think it's it would have taken away it took away a little bit from like the shock of the reveal in that courtroom scene i feel like if we had figured out that he was spying right then or that Danny had figured it out. I don't know. It would have been more powerful. You know what? You're right. And I also, I didn't understand that scene at all where he went and told Jorah, like, just like, I, I'm just as a bro, I'm letting you know. Right. Well, that's There's exactly. nothing you that's can ex- do about it. I'm betraying my queen and my, but like, he went to Jorah first. That's Barristan, though. That's what he, of, that's, that's what he does. He, he's so <laughs> forthright and bold. Information from Danny over, like, that he owed a man that spied on his queen. First right of access knowledge. <laughs> That makes no sense. But then to also say, you'll never be near her again. Just saying. Here's and sell me. And they were going to put the two of them together. I think it could have been cooler, more confrontational. But you're right. It would have been more powerful if he'd just been summoned in. Yeah, in the end, not a big deal. Uh, I think Amelia Clark's best acting of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, so you know, we get It's the... so interesting that people go both ways, think it's awesome or terrible. And there's not a lot of in between. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think she's terrible. I just. This the whole. Ever since she got to Marine, I just. It doesn't. Something. It just doesn't seem. 
100% or it seems way over the top for me but it's I'm, I'm not I'm the last person to criticize her acting but it just doesn't I just just doesn't click with me for some reason it just seems like she's being too I mean she is a queen now and all and they but she's acting too queenly and just with everybody and she's lost the fam- familiarity that she had with uh, with some characters but you know she's it's not a, she's not doing a bad job but I I just you don't like the, the direction of what they're taking with Danny not her storyline, just the, just some of the way the way she delivers a lot of her lines. It's yeah. it seems Shakespearean almost, where most of her stuff isn't like that. I think it's tricky because I think the way they did it obviously doesn't necessarily showcase the emotion that well, but I still think it was really good because it's kind of like she's like barely holding on. I, you see that really sharply when they're kind of talking over each other, and when she's like shuts him up when he's trying to rationalize things. And I thought it was good in that way, and the and the way that she's like not looking at him. I know people had problems with that, but I think that that was powerful when you think of it as her trying to. Yeah. Not acknowledge him. Yeah, it was a powerful scene. Part of it is also because I I was felt bad for Jorah in the scene, so I was like, Come, yeah, yeah, he lied to you, but he also saved your life, and he's blood for you, and he's done everything he possibly could since the first couple of spy letters that he sent. And I know that they're trying to make Daenerys come off as resigned and trying to like keep it all together and not show her really? emotion, but you can do that more effectively by like having her. You, you can display stuff on your face as an actor more than just kind of the, i don't know she, she comes off as too like austere from time to time where you could like add some at least blink every once in a while <laughs> i thought she did like i was looking at it really closely for some reason i thought she did a great job in this scene because i remember the scene in the book so strongly where like everything she says out of her mouth is so stern and like resigned and like no we're done here but in her mind she just keeps thinking if you would only if you would only and she feels really torn about the whole thing. It's tearing her up, and she tells herself she can't cry. And I think she did – I mean, maybe I just wanted to see it, but I, I thought she, that was there in her face, behind her eyes, like the whole time she's doing yeah. this. We that have read the books know all those things, but since it's just a TV show, you have to show it. Like you have to be I, – I can't really explain how what I'm trying to say, but there has to be something more to it than just keeping your face blank because then no one can read what you're saying unless they read the book. I didn't, I didn't think her thought. face was blank. I, that's my point. Like it wasn't blank. I thought that – she got to finally do something with her face other than be like haughty or holding it all together queen style or whatever. Like this was just the first real emotional gut punch she's had. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Brooke. Ever? I think that it's hard to notice and I can see why people would feel like it's not really there. But I think that if you really look that she is trying to barely hold it together, it's she's the emotion is slipping through the cracks of it. It's not as overt as maybe it should have been, but I liked it. Let's move on to the area where we, we see Littlefinger who doesn't bother to make a plan and is saved by Sansa as a result. Doesn't bother to make a plan. No, it was definitely a little strange on that part, but I did enjoy oh. the Sansa aspect. Before we leave, did uh, anybody else think what's uh, Danny's girl's? name Sandy. Sunday, yeah does anybody else think she was looking at Danny's bench like Littlefinger looks at the Iron Throne in season one no, when? Timestamp. Yeah, I like that Danny just lets, like, in the off hours, she just lets people hang out in the throne room, just walk around and, and just take you know, take a seat if they want. Or do that <laughs> in the King's Landing, too. There's a theory so. out there that, yeah. like, Miss Lucy in the books is not all she seems, so. That's why she's going to be mean, one of the betrayals. That just seems so freaking clear. That makes me sad. Uh, uh, Missy, obviously. Oh, well, clearly everybody is. I mean, anybody yeah. that does anything interesting or cool or unusual or awesome is a faceless man. That's just how it works. I didn't create the world. Nope. Nope. <laughs> So, back to Littlefinger. Again, he's in the area being tried for the potential murder of Lysa Aaron because he has no kind of alibi. <laughs> yeah, no, the, no kind of 
backup plan. Also, the setting in like you'd think they'd be having this in this the great hall, but it's in like some iry water water closet <laughs> with like a bench and one guard. I and... was so confused at first. <laughs> like, what is happening right now? And then that's Bron John. But seriously, that guy? Okay, well, all right. I, I like little, how. Oh, I want little finger to demand a trial by combat, so they just kept him in the back room. <laughs> okay. I had difficulties trying to read whatever it was that it like was happening on Littlefinger's face in the very beginning. There's such a long focus on Littlefinger's face, and there's twitching and like weird. I honestly couldn't tell if I'm supposed to read this as like, wait, Littlefinger did a stupid thing that he realizes he didn't have a backup plan for, so maybe he's nervous, or Littlefinger's brilliant and rules everything and is trying to make these people think that he's nervous, but why would he? Like, this is what he does to me. I think it's definitely the former because every chance that they had to get, you know, where they were saying, oh, we'd like to speak to Elaine, and he's like, no, no, no need for that, you know. And you saw, I think that look on his face was him as close to freaking out we've got him because he didn't know what was happening and he was prepared in that instance to where Sansa told him who she was to freak out or to, because he had no plan after that. And you find out later that that's basically it because he didn't know why she did that. Right, but then that kind of makes me wonder why they did the, the eye flick uh, at the end of the Sansa Snowcastle scene where he looks up at Liza looking down as if the whole thing was like orchestrated. And that's a question that a lot of people have when they read it. Like how much was this? This is pure spontaneity and also points to like uh, the, his Achilles heel, I guess, being Sansa. But I... It was weird seeing him so stressed out or freaked out. I was like trying to convince myself it was all an act, but I couldn't figure out why he would do that. Yeah, it depends how much credence you want to give to that. He's an amazing actor, and there's some people speculating that he had like actually talked to Sansa and told her to do this, and then was just like acting like that was all a surprise to him. And then when he's talking to her afterwards, that's more of like a review lesson. Like, so why did you help me? That's why. And then we had already talked about this, that kind of thing, which I don't really think was the case. I think he was more trapped and just trying to keep calm and yeah. wait how things played out that would make more sense for Littlefinger's character but i mean it, it i don't see it because the way he looks at her when she's looking at him when when lady waynewood's hugging her it just doesn't read at all like he was expecting he looks this. surprised and yeah. impressed the, the look that sansa gives him that's not a look of like hey did i do good that's a look at hey look what i can do you know it was it was her showing showing him up definitely so what do you guys think of sansa in this scene my first thought when she revealed that she was sansa stark was literally uh, out loud what the fuck but i i, <laughs> yes. I turned what around the actual fuck i, I, I turned around for me at the end because i was very pleased with the way she did it and i thought it was pretty cool uh i think by the end of next season well they're definitely moving up that storyline uh early next season they'll be out of the irie and then they'll be i don't know doing whatever their her first chapter in the books is going to be i met they'll probably kill off Sweet Robin early next season. I was mad that they had to re- do the reveal because I was like, well, that hasn't even happened. What? Because there's a lot of cool, subtle stuff to Sansa's storyline that's going to happen. But then I was like, they don't have anything for to do. They have to have her interact with someone. Why not just go ahead and reveal her to these people and then bind them in this plot as well? It gives them a lot of opportunities for like story next next season, I think. I don't even, think we're going to get new content from the book. I think they're going to make stuff out of what they just yeah. created there. Even without that reveal, we were basically almost all the way through the Feast storyline for Sansa. So they're going to have to or reveal stuff that we haven't seen which is a little bit concerning or interesting i guess speaking as a show viewer it was brilliantly manipulative i mean they're obviously suspicious of everything that's going on so she gives them a secret to make them feel like oh we figured it out so then you know it's like a little truth to your lie yeah also great job sophie turner 
Yeah, uh, despite oh. the initial reservations, this was definitely a highlight of the episode for me. I really enjoyed it. I really like what they're doing with Sansa. I know people think that they might be moving too fast with her, but I think that in the context of the show, it's fine. I, I like it. I'm enjoying the storyline. I'm engaged, so that's good. She's done for the season, you would assume, yes? Yeah, probably, yeah. Well, they've got to, because Ari is there now, so they've got to have some reason for them not oh, to meet up. So I think I think we might get another Sansa scene. But I was, I, I don't, I'm kind of not confused, but I'm wondering, was that it? Do you, th- do you think that's all we're getting as the Lord's Declarant? Or do you think that wasn't even the Lord's Declarant? That was just them saying, hey, what the hell just happened? Because that's, if that still happens, they've got a whole bunch of stuff to, you know, where he's going to turn them all one at a time. And, you know, he even threw out the line to Bronze Yon in this one, how, you know, Lysa told me how you were her rock. And, you know, I assume <laughs> that might have been Lynn Corbray sitting next to her, but. But, but I think it was Lynn Corbray because he mentioned. Yeah, he was cast. He mentions so the Waynewoods, was... the the Royces, and the Corbrays in right. the scene after, yeah. so that seems likely to me. It does right. seem like they're probably eliminating the knight, the Lord's Declarant, because of the stuff they did revealing Sansa and then already getting Robin Aaron on the move. It seems like those are all the things that would have not happened until they talked to those people. I disagree. I think they're going to do all sorts of intricate shit there because they're not going to be able to do it in King's Landing anymore. So they're going to take their political intrigue somewhere. I mean, it's... The political like, intrigue is going to be in Marine. That's going to be turned into the freaking well, Tudors. Well, hmm. People like Littlefinger. People well, people like Tyrion for a specific reason, but he's about to be out of this particular scene. It's all Cersei. There's no Tywin. There's no, like, who versus who. Varys will probably disappear. So you put Littlefinger there and you set it up and you take, like, three of the Lords Declarant and you put them on one side and everybody else the other in the season you can do five episodes of content right there that's my assumption (laughs) to replace it for the people that watch it for the politics also marine but the people would have no relation to the politics and they would be all new characters just talking to each other over table they barely even said their names they're not i don't think they're going to be played up as huge characters but we care about sansa and we like to watch littlefinger do stuff if anything it'll emphasize sansa and littlefinger a lot more than the lord's declarant but I don't think it'll be a major part of next season, but I, it will exist to some degree. I guess we'll see if that. Any, yeah. If any of your show-watching friends was actually upset that the Red Viper died, it's possible to make them care about these new characters, too. <laughs> I don't find that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, it's possible to introduce someone in season four and make them relevant. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But if their role is to be in a council talking, then it's less than being out doing cool stuff and fighting. Yeah. Like, if this is the assumption that we have, though, then like, what's the point of introducing Victorian or Euron or anybody that's Wyman Manderley? Like, we can save all this for, for the, the preview Season 5 discussion. Oh my god, when is that trailer coming out? <laughs> After they make Season 5. <laughs> Damn it! We already have to start worrying about that. Only two episodes left. You're going to have to go back into the long night, the wait. Yeah, I'm starting to get the shakes already. Just the, yeah. the, the, It came too fast. <laughs> Good episodes, though, to look forward to. Oh, in the absolutely. meantime, we have um, Darth Sansa and the Staircase of Doom as she has this new outfit. Uh, what did you guys make of this? I like Maleficent oh. better. <laughs> Maleficent, <laughs> that's good, too. They're skipping one scene. This oh, yeah, we get the, the scene with the, the sewing, and she says that she knows what he wants. Yeah, they did that a couple times in this episode. I think at least two times, maybe three, where they, you know, they literally cut right before the character would have answered. They did it with Theon, they did it with Sansa, and it almost was more powerful that they did it that way, which I thought was really, really showed how Alex Graves uh, definitely made a, made a really smart decision by doing that. Without her saying, me, you want me, you know, it was more powerful just to, to not have her say that. I, was, I thought he was going to say, she was going to say her maiden head. Yeah. <laughs> it was there. It was gross. That would have been subtle. But it reminds me of how they cut, like, the whole story, the story cuts her off at the end of her feast chapter. Like, the last thing that happens is he tells her this whole grand plan and Harry the heir, and then it cuts off Sansa's reply, the chapter does, which is, like, fascinating. And so we have no idea how she responds to this. That's just, I thought about that. And then the next thing we know, she's on on board in the weirdest gothic 
looking. What if the feathers or the chain? I could have had either or, but the, both of them together. I don't know who this is. We'll find out, I guess. So I think Season. people might be going a little bit overboard with this. Like they think that it, like it's her new look, and she's going to be like this all the time. But I think it because Littlefinger's wearing black clothes too, so these are morning clothes. Oh yeah, I definitely thought they're morning clothes. I think but... they're temporary, and they're. And but she not... did dye her hair. Oh black. fuck, Falcon. Yeah, but that's part of the uh, Elaine guys. I think more than like a new. You're right. I got. I thought it was just shitty costume design, but it's the falcon, the feathers, and okay, I get it now. I, <laughs> but a low-cut feather dress is not for mourning. No, yeah, there is there is something to be said for that, and I think that it does signal her being more open and more provocative and more into the game, so to speak. But I don't think like this outfit in particular is going to last. And the way she comes through the sunlight with lens flares and stuff, all in and Littlefinger's like, whoa. <laughs> way more than yeah, just oh she's in morning clothes she's got a smirk on her face that was what I noticed the most so well she kind of has to put on uh, a show because if the Lord's Declan are there they know that she's apparently supposed to marry Sweet Robin eventually so I'm still not sure smirking would be the way to go in that situation though for the people that don't know who she well, is they're not in the room sorry. but they're going to see the dress <laughs> We are talking a lot about the significance of this dress. It's like I'm on the P2P threads on the Westeros forums. And what did you think of her accessory thing? I wrote in the forums that it looked like a dog whistle. The thing on a chain, she's like twiddling it in her hands, and it's a weird little device that she has. I have no idea what it's supposed to indicate. Maybe that's somebody's finger bone. <laughs> yeah, those are weird fingers. Very odd choices. <laughs> Nothing new there, though. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> moving down to the bloody gate, we have um, Sandor complaining about his um, biter bite, and he was bit by biter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and um, Arya learns that Lysa is dead too, and completely loses it. Well, who thought that was a psycho laugh, and who just thought that was a frustration laugh? Because apparently, people were like, "She's a psycho little psycho," but that was just a complete. She was doing what the viewer, what I was doing. I was laughing laughing a second right before she was laughing i thought it was just a a frustrated like you've got to be effing kidding me laugh yeah yeah the absurdity of the situation exactly she was laughing at the house oh yeah that that look on his face can't ever get a break (laughs) yeah greg i I think we 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 talked about it a a little bit immediately after the episode but uh particularly some people on tumblr were just freaking out like Uh, okay, D and D hate Aria. They like they don't even oh, know again. what they're doing Ugh. all this. But I actually laughed as well, and I, I did too. I thought it was I hilarious. It was, I, I I thought it was amazing. So also, why like what does it say about the fact this is the Hound? He's pretty well known. Also, there's some bounty on his head, although it doesn't matter here. But being accused of crimes, walking up, no one's putting arrows in him. Is that because of honor? Because they're like, what, we're the eerie. What are you going to do? You can't come in. Well, I was just like, why are you not shooting this guy like the hound? Well, but I thought it was, not. he's just at the point where like they're, you know, he told the farmer that that was dying who they were. Like, he's just in honest mode. He just wants to get his gold and to go on his way. I, know, I mean, you but know? the arrow shooters at the eerie don't know that. Well, no, but they only they only drew their arrows and their spears for, for Littlefinger. They didn't care when anyone else was coming. It's a random guy, though. It's not a random guy. It's the Hound. Yeah, but the Vale does not love yeah. the Crown. They're in like a kind of not a neutral zone, but they're it's the safest place for the Hound to be the Hound at this point. I guess it's more like with the idea of like this guy's still not on your side. He's still done awful but, things. He's not really a great guy to have running around out there just in case. I, I was think just the guards have free reign to just shoot anybody. That- yeah. Probably not, order. but if I'm running the gate, I'm like, yeah, maybe we don't let this guy wander back down into the veil. Just saying. I thought it was funny that yeah. he they leisurely walk past all these guards, and then then they get this very dramatic 
who would enter the bloody gate? Like, right. like no one cares until he gets the close enough. It was kind of. Well, weird. I feel bad it's for all, that it's all ritual and ceremony. That's my like. It just seems like they don't even need to worry about defenses. There well, are superfluous. You know, Miss Andy has to announce every single person who comes before Danny, and and I think that's one of the younger Wayne Woods. He's got to like you know yell that out for every single person who's just coming near the bloody gate, and like that peasant walking by. No, no, I'm just just walking by. I'm not coming in. It's like oh, I got to, to yell again for that. It must suck standing there with the spear and his shield just hanging out all day on the ridge i mean shit how many people are possibly even entering the veil nobody <laughs> better than working the fields part of the veil is like the ritual of the whole place Funny that it's supposed to be this big populous well this is actually going up to the eerie i think not the actual veil so yeah. there's not I'm a lot of people from the veil yeah so i always forget there's like a really fertile valley down on there yes we never seen the show so the, so. Veil, the veil is switzerland yeah. Okay. All right. Did anybody else uh, notice the parallel where Sandro says it's just a flea bite, and that's what Drogo said he does? It's just the bite of a fly when he got cut. I wonder mm-hmm. if any yeah. viewers picked up on that about how it's gonna go bad and be the doom of him. It wasn't the line that did it. It was the fact that he mentioned it a second time. Uh, somebody, I can't remember. Somebody just said, "Yeah, that's because she wanted to like put the fire on it, right? He's gonna die. He's dead." Yeah. Oh, like, we also I have no missed... idea. Keep watching. Yeah, we also missed the line where Littlefinger was telling Robin of how people die, and he said how people die squatting over oh the chamber pot. Which... Oh no, I laughed so hard when he said his mother wasn't safe inside either. Yeah. Mother said it's not safe outside. Well, it wasn't safe for her inside either. That was the most darkly comedic thing that happened in like the whole season. I could not stop laughing. And it's a little little thing that <laughs> that Robin is so freaked out of leaving the Eyrie. But I mean, in the books, he basically grew up in King's Landing. He's only recently been in the Eyrie, right? Since Lysa fled. So it's not like he's never been out of the Eyrie. But in the show, he's like 13 years old. So he's he, he was I think in King's Landing more than he was in the Eyrie. Yes, but that time was like pre-memory time. So his memories are the Eyrie. For the most part, no, he, he, didn't, he like, wasn't two like, years no, old in season one. Teachers. He was. I, are we talking about show or book? The show. That's what we're talking uh, about. Oh, I thought he was supposed to be. I guess he's thirteen now because he looks it, but he was supposed to be five or seven. I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, it was, just, it was just a little thing that he's like, I've never been out of the Irie. He's like, Yeah, you grew up in King's Landing, but never mind. Uh, Bronze and, Bronze and Royce said that he was on his mother's teat until he was ten. So, yeah, so apparently, he might only be that old. Wow, he ages. People age fast. And- I just remember all the hoo-ha about him breastfeeding in the first season. And maybe, that show and talks about how old he was. Maybe Lysa's so. breast milk is like that one river in the underworld that wipes your memory. So that's why all he remembers. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's, it's, a, it's a theory. Back. It's an option. Uh, so getting back to Arya's laugh, I, I don't think she was psychotic. And I really liked it. Again, another highlight for me. I think it was just a really powerful just emotional release. She was so just frustrated, upset, like this, this too, really this too. It just was really good. Uh, so moving on from there, we move to the South and into Tyrion's cell where first off we get this long recital of the different sides of, of ways that you can kill people or people kill themselves. And and then we get a nice story about beetles. Yeah, what did you guys think? Good old Ors- Orson Lannister Orson and Maester, Maester Vike. Chris or whatever his name I was. Love that ja- Jamie and Tyrion make fun of the mentally handicapped. So that was. Oh no, that was terrible. I don't understand. That. But they oh, never said know. retarded. We'll give them credit. They never said retarded. That should have yeah. been. If like the Emmys were real, that would have been Peter Dinklage's Emmy reel, and not the range of over-the-top stuff that happened in the trial. Like it was what? spectacular work. Oh, I'm God. sorry, but Peter Dinklage did better work in that scene than he did at the trial. Well, he didn't have to do so anything at the trial. And there's so much like like he's trying to figure out. I love that monologue it was completely invented it's so interestingly existential he never gets the answer to his question 
he never finds out what the point of it was. At some point, he's like, this is ridiculous. I don't know why he would focus on it. I don't care. That was mesmerizing. Yeah, it was very heavy-handed. It goes with what they were doing with Arya and the dying, you know, the guy at the end you know, who was quoting Samuel Beckett is, and, and all that stuff. It's They've definitely taken an existential uh, focus for this for the season for a couple characters. Well, but yeah. I heard a theory that Orson is actually supposed to be George R. R. Martin. Yeah. The, the Beatles that, are all his characters. Right. He's, he's killing them indiscriminately, oh, and we can't understand why. Um, I like that. Just and, clicked. And, and, no. It can also work and, and oh. just generically, and they mention this, they kind of lead to this in the actual scene that just the gods are indiscriminately killing people and we can't understand their motives. Or it could be that the mountain is a, is a moron that is killing people and we can't understand why. There's a lot of I different just, ways. I didn't like it personally. I thought it was really like heavy-handed, like you said, Greg. But, I mean, I guess it, it's kind of cool. Also, people didn't like it because we all wanted to get to the damn fight right, and yeah, it was definitely uh, and after a minute i was like okay a minute i timed it it was almost four minutes that of him of that one scene mm-hmm. and just give me the yeah, freaking fight <laughs> i wanted to see it too but and i'm not really a big fan of like show Tyrion at this point and i was like really this guy again Ugh, whatever but it was great because i didn't even begin to try to map it onto like indiscriminate god killing there's a reason that it's a very specific type of beetle over and over not just a collection of different ones it's specific and repetitive. And it may just come from like my teaching experience and some kids that have like some mental disabilities where repetition and trying to be in control. Like the way I came away from it with this idea of power that this kid, because soothing repetition, but also in a world where everything is more powerful than him and he doesn't understand anything, he controls the only thing he can. It's like these little beetles. Once he figured out he could do it, he never wanted to let go of it. Yeah. He never did. I think it's cool. And that, that it reminds me of Tyrion because he found all these little tiny things that he doesn't want to let go of. And he's about to get forced to. Yeah, I, think I think it's cool it that does. it can be taken a lot of different ways. I like that. I just, it, I don't know. It just could have, kind of took me out of it a little bit. It, it just seemed a little oh, bit over awesome. the top. Yeah, I can I understand why people like it, though. And I think it, it does, does suit Tyrion's character. Yeah, it speaks to Tyrion's inquisitiveness and his, like, obsessiveness about how he gets fixated on things and will, like, pay attention to kind of the people that society neglects. Which I, which I also didn't like while he was like mocking the guy initially and saying that he enjoys mocking other people's misery because that's the only thing that makes him feel like other people. That seemed a bit out of character, but it did seem in character that, that he would notice. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying I didn't like that part. But I'm saying oh. that he, he would notice and like take an interest in this guy, but he wouldn't think it was so hilarious and like mock his speech and that kind of thing. I, I think I just like, be... really want to see him reroute him to like a dark place. I found that scene to be pretty tedious the first time I watched it. My mind started drifting, and I was like, this thing's going on forever. But I found on the second viewing, I did appreciate it more. It didn't bother me quite as much. I didn't get... I, I thought it was going to be a uh, Varys speech with the the sellsword and the king and the priest and the uh, rich guy, but we we didn't get anywhere with that. No so. resolution. It was for you to draw oh, your own conclusion with that riddle so either. But... We drew different conclusions. No, I mean in that story, it's I like that there wasn't a resolution to the story. I like that all of a sudden, like he just watched and studied and studied. Oh, and then one day he got kicked in the chest by a horse. He doesn't even comment that he never learned the answer. It's just there. And again, I think of Tyrion as being this character in the series, in the book series, where he feels marginalized. He feels like he doesn't have power, and so he finds power through like throughout Clash. And struggles when it's taken away. He struggles with like recognizing that that's what he wanted, that he's good at it, that he likes to be in control, that he likes to be in power. But it's awful, 
awful hard for him to do it. And at first he has to try with like lesser beings, smaller people, people that have less power than him. And just when he could have grabbed the reins of power, he has to leave. And it takes him like two books <clears throat> to get to a point to recognize, nope, I just want it. And if nothing yeah. else, this scene aligns us more with the bitter Tyrion we're going to get later on. I hope so. so, God, I hope so. That's good. Um, but let's get to the final scene. We're all, oh, we've all been waiting for this scene for so long. <laughs> I, personally, this is the scene I was looking forward to most this season. Uh, the Mountain versus the Viper. Me too. And they did call him the Red Viper uh, yeah. two minutes before he died. <laughs> he said, this is not the day I die. Yeah, poor Jojen. Yeah, I was like, why is he quoting Jojen? I felt like they were just fucking with me. I think they were, because they got a lot of fans. I was just with that. <laughs> You know, he was complaining about why couldn't he say Jojen's one good line. I, I love that, like, just as a meta thing, like, I don't know why that choice was made. I just thought it was hilarious. Apparently Tywin was in a hurry to get on with it, too, because he shushed. <laughs> Well, that right was the way. worst battle in ever, though. He didn't get any hype to and it at all. And why was Pycelle talking yeah. at all? We needed our uh, sassy sideburn septon. That, that was his moment to shine. <laughs> it was it was it was down to the gods, and they have Pycelle telling people about it. That was lame. I think I think it's because he wrote that septon rolled his R's way too much in in the crowning scene that they were like, all right, that's too much for you, buddy. You got to tone it back. But he would have been nice to see him. <laughs> I would have liked to see hear him say Gregor and Oberyn. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got nothing to say about the scene, so we might as well just wrap it up. No, yeah, we're done. <laughs> I I love the uh, Tyrion Jamie interaction. My and that's what my show watcher friends got most out of it was the looks they were sharing with each other. Um, that split second, they looked at each other and they and it was like, oh man, we're gonna get out of this, like me and you and uh, Cersei had that resting bitch face look on and everything changed in that split second yeah i didn't think that uh jimmy was looking at Tyrion. i didn't even know that he was that close but i just thought he was just like I, look at this guy he's gonna do it like yeah. he was just so impressed by oberon and it happened really like cool. four scenes i was like he's he's like that was as close to like bro jamie like he's gonna yeah. do it bro <laughs> and then he, like of course he, he added a lot of energy to it um, yeah smile it was good it was good action. well jamie's whole life has been being a great fighter so he obviously would respect the sweet fighting moves that this guy's throwing down absolutely <laughs> yeah. have you noticed that we haven't seen anybody wearing like full plate armor like since season one because i was expecting the hound or not the hound the mountain to come out plate and... armor is expensive and he lost his flim- flimsy helmet so quickly. Uh, how many times have we seen the dragons this season? Like twice? Yeah, I think I think they shot their load pretty early. All three dragons <laughs> once, and uh, one other out. shot of a dragon. Just saying. I keep trying. Running out of that money. They can't even afford bronze armor. That's for, cool. They gave us some sleep. cool dire wolf action. I'll take that as well. They were awesome. And they were saving the rest for probably next time. Yeah, we're also yeah. going to get giants and mammoths and everything in catapults we're not getting mammoths. oh we're getting yeah, mammoths we're getting video of it they showed yeah. a mammoth really? foot watch the preview yeah. <laughs> i don't watch yeah. it that way I, like it's literally <laughs> not tacked on to the way that i watch it and so i don't see it all right but, back oh, to over really didn't expect yes 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 oh i saw the preview <laughs> it's like a giant I, foot giant feet shh. i'm gonna send you some blinders uh brooke so you can just put blinders on <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, this this makes up for everything. You know, they did. I think they did go back to the fight. I think it was done very well because even as a book reader, I was sitting there like, oh, this is so great. It's almost like he's going to do it. And I'm like, no, no, don't go back over there. Don't get too close. Uh, and then, of course, the showing the actual popping of the head. I thought that was pretty cool. That was yeah. insane. Just the, the moving. Oh, and it was just he was 
I mean, even it was just so so much to take in. I, I during the red wedding, the red wedding was such a slow yeah. build up, and you knew what was happening. But even like you said, Shane, part of you wanted it to be different. And even though it wasn't, yeah. it was just such a, a punch in the gut. I I did that. It's only like four or five times ever watching TV do I do that thing where I'm screaming and laughing and clapping and stomping. And this was another time that my landlords had to call me and make sure I was okay. But it was just it was such a reaction, and it just. It's, it shows how the, the strength of the books and the writing, and this was the scene that, like you said, Zach, every, this was the scene we were all looking forward to. I mean, the next episode's going to be amazing, but just to get this, and they kept almost every line. The one line almost I wish they had line. kept was where he, the mountains goes, you make my head hurt. <laughs> Which, but he, uh, he had too many lines. It would have been too goofy. <laughs> it would have been goofy. Yeah. I, I was entertained by the Red I, Wedding. I was actually, you know, I was like, I, I was watching the show watchers, and they were freaking out. I had a smile on my face. This was, like you said, just a straight a gut punch. I had my head in my hands. And yeah, for me, this is my red wedding for me. Like, I was spoiled for, for the red wedding and Ned's death, and I wasn't spoiled for this. So when this scene came up in the books, it just was so mind-blowing and so emotional and just from a high to such a low. Mind-blowing. So uh-huh. Mind-blowing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why did it hit you like that? Like, did you care about the red viper at that oh, point? Oh, totally. I, I cared about, 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 about Tyrion. Exactly. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. So in this, like... Even though we know what's coming, I'm wondering why this was emotional or just a gut punch for anybody. I know why it was for me, but it's probably I don't know if it's the same for everybody. So why why do you think it hit you so hard? Well, why even, even we knew it was coming? Tyrion, the Red Viper is so instantly sympathetic in the scene when he's trying to get vengeance and just defending his sister and just the lines. They're so good. It's it's just really powerful. And I just love with Ilaria and how they're she's always getting the reaction shots and how she screams. That's yeah, crazy. Pedro Pascal a, I mean, and and Dear Farmer really killed. Been a fucking badass for the whole season, and then there's this guttural scream as he's getting his eyes gouged out and On his teeth. Oh. <laughs> and and, and tooth, I don't, the tooth I don't know. This has got to be top ten most brutal scenes ever on television. It's just you it smashed his face. It was insanity. Question: I have asked someone who I think might be right. Do you think? That he heard the confession, even though there were literally finger ball, like fingers in his eyes at that point. Could he at least hear the confession before he died? Even a piece of it. I care. That matters to me for the scene. That's what matters. Seriously. He, he did hear it. I don't think he it registered. Yeah, he didn't get any peace out of it because he also like, heard himself screaming like a little girl. Like, I kind of hope he did it. I kind of hope, yeah. hope he died for it. And then tragically, still never got to hear it. Like it makes the whole. That's I like this scene for apparently wildly different reasons than everybody else. Wow. Yeah, I just from reading the book. I remember reading this for the first time, uh-huh. and I was not spoiled at all. But I did that thing when I'm reading the chapters to see how many pages are left. And when I flipped to that last page, I was like, "Oh, there's two paragraphs left. He's going to make it." And that all goes down in the last two paragraphs, and it's exactly how it happens. In the sh- I mean, and you know, Tyrion didn't throw up, but you can't really do throw up gracefully on a, on a, on the screen. So I'm, I'm okay with no, that. No head exploding. That we can do. But- yeah. But even well, that came across as almost the, comical. Uh, so. The desperation yeah, was... laugh either, because I think that would have been too much for television. Right. You know, the way, the way they 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 had Arya do it in the yeah, we already got that. <laughs> Arya already did it so well, nobody would even like yeah. step up to the plate. Yeah, and we also didn't get Tyrion's "I'm feeling more innocent by the minute," where <laughs> which yeah. would have been good. But the cuts <laughs> to Tyrion, there were a couple cuts to Tyrion where you you saw on his face, and he he's an amazing actor when he's talking, but he's an, also an amazing actor when he's just using his facial expressions. Yeah, the actual side commentary fits a book or like a play much better than like a TV show. Yeah, oh. definitely. He was kind of cool as a side character, but then he comes out of nowhere in this fight. And like the fight is first of all in the book perfectly. Ugh, it's very well written. It's one of the better 
fight sequences. I love that they had him leap and do the the spear uh, at the end and scream our name. He doesn't actually leap over him, but he does stab him. Yeah, he does his best, man. Yeah. It was, it, I knew. I was like, thank you. He doesn't really and, pull vault, but he gets he gives his best effort. Yeah. Yes, he does. And so I was. It was afterward. It was after. He died when I went back and I was like, how did this even happen? I thought he had him, like, spear pinned to the fucking ground or something. What happened? He pulls the spear out. Yeah, he does pull the spear out. He's standing over him. He goes for – yes, I know. He, he's, he is, but he won't kill him, and he could have. There's, like, this easy moment where he could have killed him, yeah. but he hadn't confessed, and so he wouldn't do it. Like, he sacrificed the win. He did something – this reckless thing that I believe he knew was reckless. It was, it was done well in this scene yeah. where he's just screaming, no, you cannot die yet. You haven't confessed, which – but I was really, really nervous that the scene was going to just be the fight and not be about Elia and, like, the tragedy of this whole fight and why he would do it. And no, it was definitely well the beginning done. of, like, of this idea, this theme of vengeance and what it costs people. And so when he opened his mouth and was like, do you know why I'm here? I'm here for you. I was like, hell – oh, my god. That's the greatest scene ever. Yeah. It was perfect. Pedro Pascal knocked it out of the park. I mean, just getting more and more upset. It was so good. I was I was such a fan. Of and when he was yelling and pointing to Tywin and saying who Ugh. gave the order and trying to get everyone. I wish he hadn't done that part, actually. But, like, we remember. We know it was him. Or do yeah. we? I can't remember. The well, he's remember. trying to – That his plan goes much beyond the mountain. He's trying to bring down the whole apparatus. And if he gets a public confession from the mountain saying Tywin did it, then that's a – and every all the nobles of the city are watching. Like, the whole tragedy of that character is he went – in and became singularly focused on vengeance in one spot, the person who did it. He doesn't really, there's an interaction with Tywin off screen where people believe he might have poisoned Tywin, which I kind of wish is true because it makes Tyrion killing him kind of, I don't know, weirdly ironic, but it's not, he's not, he doesn't seem at all concerned in the book about taking down the house, just singularly focused on, I think, what did he call it? Justice, when will justice be served? Justice was supposed to be the mountain. I think he went into the fight knowing damn well he would die. Well, he definitely I did. disagree and now. with that. I think he's no, definitely I trying really to get don't with think he had any expectation of dying. When does he go after Tywin anywhere in the series? He though? talks we... about it. What? Yeah, in, the, in the books? He's yeah. going to take Tyrion back and crown Myrcella. Yes, that's what you say to someone when you're just trying to placate, when you're trying. There's no indication when we get back and learn from Dorne what was really up, that this was ever a plan so much as just, here's a bunch of fantastical things that we could do. But... But the fight was nice to watch, right? He wanted to hear it, though. We also, you guys forgetting, we got Dick and Manwoody wiping poison on the mountain's blade, so that was also the the highlight. Wait, that that, are you serious? Was that really? Well, Dick and Manwoody is his squire, and he wiped the. You saw him wiping the blade before the season. Is he really a squire? That's awesome. He isn't. I'm not making that up. Isn't that we we're not introduced him there? But when Tyrion meets him in the books, he's odd. This is Dick and Manwoody, my little. I think does he say little Dick and Manwoody? I don't think so. <laughs> I that would be, that. But I expected that to be the kid that like ends up getting inadvertently basically murdered during that. Fight. Yeah, I wish they had a stable. I was, I was surprised they didn't do that. There was such a long, but yeah, he was poisoning. Yeah, in the book, there was much more claustrophobic, and you felt like there was more people pressing around like close to them. I know there were people that didn't like when we were watching like the trailers beforehand the way that the shots of of Oberyn fighting the spinny, jumpy, twirly. Was that him the whole time? Who was doing that? Who it was, was a doing mix of amazing... him and a stunt guy? There is a little oh, God, it's amazingly like a cut together. There's a thing of him practicing, so I think it's probably both. But I think he did do some. It was cool. Like it is a little silly, but the whole point was that he was showing, uh-huh. off. and that make and that's his character. He's showing off. I liked it. There's this one funny it... YouTube video though where it goes on the spinning thing for like two minutes. That's <laughs> awesome. yeah, I saw that. I like. That's funny. Uh, one more thing to say about the scene. I missed this, but did you guys see Jamie and Barry's exchanging shifty looks? Mm, I saw the, the pictures on Tumblr. 
but the pictures, it can be that they're both either looking at Tywin or Cersei. It doesn't necessarily yeah. – you can take that they're looking at each other, but they're just looking towards the middle. So they don't look at the same time, and yeah. it's hard to tell who they're looking at, but I can buy it. And that's I initially talked that they were just looking at Tywin and Cersei and their reactions, but they may be looking at each other. I need to see that screenshot. It could explain the reason why Jamie seems more resigned than like really upset, but I guess maybe that it's Jamie's like that's how he is. But it seems more like he's getting ready to do something than, than – yeah, he's like, backup plan, let's put this into effect right now. Mm-hmm. Is Jamie going to reveal um, Taisha final episode? It's going to be tough just to spring that on us. A- yeah, they haven't mentioned it since 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 when he met Shay, right? So like, what do you guys right? think we're going to get as a boiling point for Tyrion to go kill Tywin then? What is the thing that sets Good him fucking question. As if there's not enough already. Yeah, I think there isn't. It's going to be Tywin kill Shay or some nonsense, and I'm going to... <laughs> want to murder people. I've been, I've been terrified of this for like two years. Like, this is what it's going to... Because I don't see anything else now. Well, they've shown... In the preview, they've shown Shay on a bed in, in well, the yeah. original season preview and that scene But we've has, seen her on a bed in just Tyrion's room. I don't know if it's the same true. one. But I don't know how he would know that Shay was dead or why she would be or... Yeah. The thing is, Tyrion is still fairly rational at this point, I think, and I think something really has to set him off. I think you need at least one more thing to get him there. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I think it has to be something. If it's not, I, d- I don't buy it from a character standpoint. Maybe someone has a scroll with some information that's perfectly preserved from five years ago that we've yeah. never heard of. Some kid just pops out. will show up. They've done things Maybe. before in the series where they would just say, like in the previously on section, things that they haven't referenced oh, yeah. seasons that ago. That cannot be the how they do that, though. Like, just to offhandedly well, be like, the, oh, yeah, that happened. They have Big this. enough deal to snap him in, the, in that very episode. They've done it before. I know, but don't remind me. I really hope. Well, they they also they could be saving it because it will pack the punch for the viewers as well. That that's when they bring it back, and that'll be all that more powerful. I would rather they do that and then have the reason he snaps be that yeah reveals the truth about what happened rather than making something up. But like I keep remembering how many other opportunities the show has taken this season, and I love this to do backstory. They're like filling in shit left and right. And they even reminded us about Elia a little more than we knew before during that fight. Like, we cared about that part of it, like the the Elia screaming back and forth part. But we never saw her. Like, they built that up over the course of the season. They have not done that with Taisha at all. And they could have because they've been doing it everywhere else. Maybe we'll so get a full-length flashback all the way, the whole thing. <laughs> Does the whole thing even work? Like, a triggering moment without the additional fucked up that is, like, Tyrion having to participate in the gang rape, which is what they cut out. Like, that as well. That's just such... Just this woman that you thought was a horrible... Well, she wasn't. Just saying. Yeah, I'm just joking. That, I doubt they could actually enough. pull it off. It's going to be interesting. I guess we'll see. But uh, I, that wraps us up for our, our main show review. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Or, or or do you want to vote an MVP actor or actress? I think it's pretty obvious. There's a couple standouts. Uh, uh, mountain, <laughs> 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 I <laughs> I, I everyone's giving it to Pascal, but I was going to give it to um, Alfie Allen for Theon yeah, because he, he didn't say much, but just he's done an amazing job just with the real subtle things that he does and yeah. just seeing it. It's in his eyes the way he he handles everything, and he's done an amazing job. Yeah, I'll give it to the Red Viper, but uh, Theon is a second, and Sansa gets an honorable, honorable mention as well. Yeah, the character as an actor. All right, well, I don't think there's anything else to add. That wraps us up for this week's DragonCast review. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining me for the uh, review. It was really fun. Uh, We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.